Are you exercising, eating the way you think you need to, squeezing in sleep, and still feel like your mind and body aren't performing at their peak? We interview the world's experts on nutrition, hormones, peptides, and molecular biology, as well as longevity. Learn newfound insight to promote healing, defy aging, and take your performance to superhuman levels. Get ready to feel strong and look great, clear your skin, achieve your ideal weight, and love life. Oh yeah, so think about it. Michael Clapper, MD, who's teaching medical students about healthy ways of eating. There are plant-based doctors going into hospitals and educating hospitals and their directors. I was one of the early pioneers, literally in 1979. in health and anti-aging. Let's start with our first review with Dr. Michael Greger, MD, and let's see what he has to say. Go bring this up right now. Here we go. But this case series went beyond just proposing better control of the symptom of diabetes, high blood sugars, but better control of the disease itself, suggesting the anti-inflammatory effects of whole healthy plant foods may slow or prevent further destruction of the insulin-producing cells of the pancreas if the dietary intervention is initiated early enough. Uh, where are they getting this from? Check it out. One patient who began a vegetable-rich diet at age three, immediately following diagnosis of type 1 diabetes, but three years later still has yet to require insulin therapy, while experiencing a steady decline in autoantibody levels, markers of you know, insulin cell destruction. Another child, who didn't start eating healthier until several months after diagnosis, maintains a low dose of insulin with good control, and even if the insulin-producing cells have been utterly destroyed, type 1 diabetics can still enjoy dramatically reduced insulin requirements and reduced inflammation and reduced cardiovascular risk, which is the number one cause of death for type 1 diabetics over the age of 30. Type 1s have 11 to 14 times the risk of death from cardiovascular disease compared to the general population, and it's already the number one killer among the public, so it's like 11 to 14 times more important for type 1 diabetics to be on the only diet and lifestyle program ever proven to reverse heart disease in the majority of patients, one centered around whole plant foods. And the fact that it may also help control the disease itself is just sugar-free icing on the cake. And all this exciting new research was just from the first issue of the journal. As a bonus, there's a companion publication called the Disease Reversal and Prevention Digest, a companion publication to the International Journal of Disease Reversal and Prevention for the lay public, with the belief I wholeheartedly share that everyone has a right to understand the science that could impact their health. And so, you can go behind the scenes and hear directly from the author of the Lupus series, uh, with bonus interviews from you know, luminaries like Dean Ornish, practical tips from dietitians on making the transition towards a healthier diet complete with recipes. 
The second issue continued to feature practical tips like how to eat plant-based on a budget, what Dr. Clapper is doing to educate medical students, what Audrey Sanchez from Balanced is doing to help change school lunches, and if you think that's hard, Dr. Osfeld got healthy food served at a hospital. What a concept! And what magazine would be complete without an article to improve your sex life? Now, while the journal itself is free, downloadable at ijdrp.org, the Companion Digest, available at disease-reversal-digest.com, carries a subscription fee, but I, for one, am a proud subscriber. Oh yeah, so think about it. Michael Clapper, MD, who's teaching medical students about healthy ways of eating. There are plant-based doctors going into hospitals and educating hospitals and their directors. I was one of the early pioneers, literally in 1979, Midwood Community Hospital and Stanton Community Hospital in Orange County. I was able to influence Dr. Lehman to bring in a wing of whole plant-based eating at that time for the cardiovascular patients, 40 years ahead of its time. And now we're barely starting to see a few hospitals being alerted that they need to change the way we feed diabetics, heart patients, those with hypertension, those with cancer. We really have to go beyond the grassroots and start getting to the front lines of treatment. And literally 40 years ago, my work with these patients was miraculous to the point where the nurses and the staff and the registered dietitians were all wondering how in the world were the patients in our wing of the hospital getting well, uh, being discharged sooner, reversing high lipids, cholesterol, triglycerides, blood pressure problems, and blood sugar problems. All of this because we taught them the power, the almost miraculous power within days, within weeks, and certainly the advantage of doing this at the intervention level right at the start. But why don't we go further? Let's start with our children, educate our children how to eat healthy, uh, bring more plant-based foods, even to fast food chains, but healthier versions of that. It's the beginning. We all see the writing on the wall. The old basis of the four food groups is not sustainable. The new way of coming forward and eating healthy and well is going to make a difference to all of us. So those of you who are enjoying the benefits of health and well-being. Those of you who want to live a longer, better quality life, I'm here to tell you that we can support you in your goals and the ideology that health and well-being is here to stay. Now, let, let's, let's take a moment to think about um, the idea of longevity. What can we do to live a longer, better quality life? I'm, I'm going to pull up a few things here for you right now. And uh, our next uh, segment here, I wanted to talk briefly about the benefits of weight loss. And here we're going to talk about how that can be accelerated through healthy 
herbal intervention. So let's let's get started with this. Thermogenic drugs like DMP can cause people to overheat to death, uh, can increase uh, resting metabolic rates by 300% or more. A more physiological spread would range about 10 times less, from a 30% slower metabolism in people with an underactive thyroid to a 30% higher metabolism when the part of our nervous system that controls our fight-or-flight response is activated. In response to a fright or acute uh, stress, special nerves release a chemical called noradrenaline to ready us for confrontation. You experience that by your skin getting paler, cold, and clammy as blood is diverted to your more vital organs, your mouth can get dry as your digestive system is put on hold, your heart starts to beat faster. Uh, what you don't feel is the extra fat being burned to liberate energy for the fight. That's why people started taking ephedra for weight loss. Ephedra is an evergreen shrub used for thousands of years in China to treat asthma, because it causes the same release of noradrenaline that offers relief to asthmatics by dilating their airways. In the United States, it was appropriated for use as a metabolic stimulant, shown to result in about 2 pounds of weight loss a month in 19 placebo-controlled trials. By the late 1990s, millions of Americans were taking it, the problem is that it had all the other noradrenaline effects, like increasing heart rate and blood pressure, and so chronic use resulted in strokes, heart arrhythmias, and death. The FDA warned the public of the risks in 1994, but it wasn't banned until a decade later after a major league pitcher dropped dead. In the current wild west of dietary supplement recommendation, a supplement can be marketed without any safety data at all, and the manufacturer is under no obligation to disclose adverse effects that may arise. No surprise, then, that online vendors assured absolute safety, no negative side effects, 100% safe for long-term use. The president of Metabolife International, leading seller of ephedra, assured the FDA that the company had never received a single notice from a consumer that any serious adverse health event had occurred. In reality, they received 13,000 health complaints, including reports of serious injuries, hospitalizations, and deaths. If only there was a way to get the benefits of ephedra without the risks. There is, but to understand it, you first have to grasp a remarkable biological phenomenon known as the diving reflex. Imagine yourself walking across a frozen lake and suddenly falling through the ice, plunging into the icy depths. It's hard to think of a greater instant fight-or-flight shock than that. Indeed, noradrenaline would be released, causing the blood vessels in your arms and legs to constrict to bring blood back to your core. You can imagine how fast your heart might start racing, uh, but that would actually be counterproductive, right? Because you'd use up your oxygen faster. Remarkably, what happens instead is your heart rate actually slows down. That's the diving reflex. First described in the 1700s, air-breathing animals are born with this automatic safety feature to help keep us from drowning. In medicine, uh, we can exploit this physiological quirk with what's called a cold face test. Uh, to see if uh, a comatose patient has intact neural pathways, you can apply cold compresses to their face to see if their heart immediately starts slowing down. 
Or more dramatically, it can be used to treat people who flip into an abnormally rapid heart rate. Uh, remember that episode of ER where you know, Carter dunks the guy's face into a, a tray of ice water? It was on TV when I was in medical school, and a group of us would you know, gather around and count how many times they violated universal precautions. Okay, but what does this have to do with weight loss? The problem with noradrenaline-releasing drugs like ephedra is the accompanying rise in heart rate and blood pressure. But what the diving reflex shows is that it's possible to experience selective noradrenaline effects, raising the possibility that there may be a way to get the metabolic boost without risking stroking out. Unbelievably, this intricate physiological feat may be accomplished by the most simplest of acts, instead of drowning in water, simply drinking it. Wait, what? Wait, you can boost your metabolism drinking water? Buckle your safety belts. You are in for a wild ride, which will continue next. Okay, so the idea is drinking water actually boosts the body's metabolism. That's right. So in many cases, we don't have to risk the effect or the potential side effect of using uh, some of these uh, stimulants that have been shown to be, how shall I say, uh, too aggressive, uh, too overstimulating. You know, I, I, I find it fascinating that people want to lose weight and increase energy and feel better and look better. And one of the great ways is to literally drink enough fluids. Most people are so dehydrated. It's an ongoing challenge and problem. So keep in mind, when you want to lose weight, increase your fluid intake. But that also includes the consumption of fruit. Fruit is very high in water content. Fruit is amazing as a nutrient supporter uh, because fruit is mostly water. So whether you drink the water, I'll bet it's best purified, rich in hydrogen, adequate in pH, although pH varies in, um, out in the wild in spring water. It could be slightly uh, uh, positive pH or it could be slightly negative. It, it'll range from 6.8 to 7.2, somewhere all in those ranges. So it's not just pH. But it also turns out that water, particularly in the presence of fiber in the gut, stimulates the release of molecular hydrogen. And molecular hydrogen is tremendous at helping to improve the body by lowering what's called free radical damage, oxidative stress. This is a major issue when it comes to the disease process. So what I'm suggesting to you is, is the idea that life and health and well-being can be enhanced by eating more fruits, more vegetables, and reducing the things that deplete our water, meaning the things that take so much water to digest that they actually have a negative impact. What food category? Yes, you guessed it. Fats, meats, dairy product, all these foods, even in the case of dairy, which has liquid in it from the milk, it's dehydrating. It takes eight times more water to digest animal proteins than it does plant-based foods. And then think about it. When you eat watermelon, fresh, refreshing, 
rich in water content. It's so good for you. So keep in mind, health and well-being is absolutely essential. So let's uh, jump to the next uh, thing. And I I wanted to talk about a a very important subject, which is a checklist of what we call the daily dozen. And I'm going to, again, jump to Dr. Greger today because we're doing an overall review. And let's uh, do that right now here. Hold on. I'll pull this up in a moment, please. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay, here we go. I think I can get. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Practically nothing but white potatoes. Uh, That would, by definition, be a whole food plant-based diet, but not a very healthy one. All plant foods are not created equal. The more I researched over the years, the more I've come to realize that healthy foods are not necessarily interchangeable. Some foods and food groups have special nutrients not found in abundance elsewhere. For example, sulforaphane, the amazing liver enzyme detox-boosting compound, is derived nearly exclusively from cruciferous vegetables. You could eat tons of other kinds of greens and vegetables on a given day and get no appreciable sulforaphane if you didn't eat something cruciferous. It's the same with flax seeds and the anti-cancer lignan compounds. Uh, Flax may average 100 times more lignans than other foods, and mushrooms aren't even plants at all. They belong to an entirely different biological classification and may contain nutrients like ergothionine not made anywhere in the plant kingdom. So technically, maybe I should be referring to a whole food plant and fungus-based diet, but that just sounds kind of gross. It seems like every time I come home from the medical library buzzing with some exciting new data, my family rolls their eyes, sighs, and asks, what can't we eat now? Or they'll say, wait a second, Why does everything seem to have parsley in it all of a sudden, or something? They're very tolerant. As the list of foods I try to fit into my daily diet grew, I made a checklist and had it up on a little dry erase board on the fridge, and we'd make a game out of ticking off the boxes. This evolved into my daily dozen, the checklist of all the things I try to fit into my daily routine. By beans, I mean legumes, which are also include split peas, chickpeas, and lentils. You know, while eating a bowl of pea soup or dipping carrots into hummus may not seem like eating beans, it certainly counts. Uh, we should try to get three servings a day. A serving is defined as a quarter of a cup of hummus or bean dip, half cup of cooked beans, split peas, lentils, tofu, or tempeh, or a full cup of fresh peas or sprouted lentils. Though peanuts are technically legumes, nutritionally I've grouped them in the nuts category, just as I would shunt green beans, snap peas, and string beans into the other vegetables category. A serving of berries is a half cup fresh or frozen, or a quarter cup of dried. While biologically speaking, avocados, bananas, and even watermelons are technically berries, I'm using the colloquial term for any small edible fruit, which is why I include kumquats and grapes and raisins, as well as fruits that are typically thought of as berries, but actually technically aren't, such as blackberries, cherries, mulberries, Okay, so let's let's get clear about what the daily dozen is, right? That would include beans, berries, fruit of various types, cruciferous vegetables, greens, 
other vegetables than just greens, which would like yams and squash and so forth, flaxseed, nuts and seeds, herbs, spices, whole grains, particularly whole rice and, and uh, quinoa, uh, fresh vegetables. I like to use vegetable uh, cold-pressed juices, and, of course, exercise needs to be part of your regular, consistent daily habits. Uh, if you're going to specify what berries, acai berries, barberries, blackberries, blueberries, cherries, sweet or tart, uh, grapes, cranberry, goji berries, kumquat, mulberries, raspberry, and strawberries. So all of these will contribute nicely to an overall healthy regime. And uh, let, let's jump ahead further here because this review of eating healthy whole foods and each serving size, by the way, is like a half a cup of fresh fruit and or, or frozen and a quarter cup of dried fruit because the dried fruit is more uh, concentrated. So let's go to this. Raspberries and strawberries. For other fruits, a serving is a medium-sized fruit, a cup of cut-up fruit or a quarter cup of dried fruit. Again, I'm using the colloquial rather than the botanical definition, so I place tomatoes in the other vegetables group. Common cruciferous vegetables include broccoli, cabbage, collards, and kale. I recommend at least one serving a day, typically a half cup, and at least two additional servings of greens a day, cruciferous or otherwise. Serving sizes for other greens and vegetables are a cup for raw leafy vegetables, a half cup for other raw or cooked non-leafy vegetables, and a quarter cup for dried mushrooms. Everyone should try to incorporate one tablespoon of ground flax seeds into their daily diet, in addition to a serving of nuts or other seeds. A quarter cup of nuts is considered a serving, or two tablespoons of nut or seed butters, including peanut butter. Chestnuts and coconuts, though, don't nutritionally count as nuts. I also recommend one quarter teaspoon a day of the spiced turmeric, along with any other salt-free herbs and spices you may enjoy. Okay, so before we get into the herb list, nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, various vegetables, even though some of those vegetables have a higher fat content, eat, eaten in a reasonable quantity and without them being processed, meaning always eat the olive, not the olive oil, for a lot of reasons, just the same reasons you would always eat the beet instead of the sugars from the sugar beet, right? So, but this, this next section is particularly important because herbs and spices are loaded with nutrient density and vitamins and minerals. And that's why uh, we use a category of products called Doc Nutrients. And I just want to say, you know, it, it's all good. It's all good. And the use of turmeric and, and chili powders, uh, we use whole supplement herbs and that makes a huge difference so let's let's go uh, on this list because this pay particular import uh, uh, focus to this list a serving of whole grains can be considered a half cup of hot cereals such as oatmeal cooked whole grains or so-called pseudo grains like amaranth buckwheat and quinoa or a half cup of cooked pasta or corn kernels a cup of ready-to-eat cold cereal one tortilla or slice of bread half a bagel or english muffin or three cups of air popped popcorn the serving size in the beverage category is... Okay, so that was a good list of whole grains. Here, let, let me just uh, cut away to, to the screen over here so you can, you can see it a little bit better, I think. Oops, here, there we go. Now you can see it. So uh, the, 
the whole list of, uh, of beverages also includes a variety of teas. Now, for myself, I'm fairly caffeine sensitive, so I go very light on the teas that have uh, caffeine, but uh, some of the teas are uh, more uh, gentle and, and less uh, caffeine rich. So I just wanted to mention that for those of you who metabolize caffeine less than, than I, uh, ideal, okay? So uh, yeah, let's, let's take a look here. Okay, so um, looking at the whole idea of nutrient-rich foods, uh, and a glass is a serving size. So let's uh, let's continue on with with our discussion here, so you can all get uh, the best in uh, advice. Is one glass twelve ounces? And uh, the recommended five glasses a day is in addition to the water you get naturally from the foods in your diet. I explain my rationale in my video, how many glasses of water should we drink a day? Finally, I advise one daily serving of exercise, which can be split up over the day. I recommend 90 minutes of moderate intensity activity each day, such as brisk you know, four miles per hour walking, or 40 minutes of vigorous activity, such as jogging or active sports, each day. I explain my reasoning for that in my video, How Much Should You Exercise? This may all sound like a lot of boxes to check, but it's easy to knock off a bunch at a time. One simple peanut butter banana sandwich, and you just checked off four boxes. Or imagine sitting down to a big salad, two cups of spinach, a handful of arugula, a handful of walnuts, a half cup of chickpeas, a half cup of red bell pepper, and a small tomato. You just knocked out seven boxes in one dish. Uh, sprinkle on your flax, add a handful of goji berries, and enjoy it with a glass of water and fruit for dessert, and you just wiped out nearly half your daily check boxes in a single meal. And then if you just ate it on your treadmill, just kidding. <laughs> so that's the idea. Combine your foods. It's okay to, in your salads, have cruciferous vegetables, greens, various forms of vegetables, nuts, seeds, herbs, spices, uh, even sprinkled in some, some uh, flaxseed and, of course, uh, uh, eaten with conjunction of, of whole grains. And you can have various types of fruit in a fruit salad. So it's actually fairly easy to get the daily dozen met. And also, uh, just prior to, to my exercise, uh, I'm eating whole fresh foods. And then right after, as I feel hungry, as the nutrient density requires, I'm going to be eating some fresh foods as well. Here we go. Let's get back into. Do I check off each glass of water I drink? No. In fact, I don't even use the checklist anymore. I just used it initially as a tool to get me into a routine. You know, whenever I was sitting down to a meal, I would ask myself, could I add greens to this? Could I add beans to this? I mean, I always have an open can of beans in the fridge. Uh, can I sprinkle on some flax or pumpkin seeds or maybe some dried fruit? Um, the checklist just got me into the habit of thinking, how can I make this meal even healthier? I also found the checklist help with grocery shopping. Although I always keep bags of frozen berries and greens in the freezer, and if I'm at the store and want to buy fresh produce for the week, it helps me figure out you know, how much you know, kale or blueberries I need. The checklist also helps me picture what a meal might look like. I mean, looking over the checklist, you'll see that there are three servings each of beans, fruits, and whole grains, and about twice as many vegetables in total than any other component. 
So glancing at my plate, I can imagine, you know, one quarter of it filled with grains, one quarter with legumes, and a half of the plate filled with vegetables, along with maybe a, like a side salad and fruit for dessert. I happen to like one-bowl meals where everything's mixed together, uh, but the checklist still helps me to visualize, right? Instead of a big bowl of spaghetti with some veggies and lentils on top, I think of a big bowl of vegetables with some pasta and lentils mixed in. Instead of a big plate of quinoa with some stir-fried vegetables on top, I picture a meal that's mostly vegetables, and oh look, there's some quinoa and beans in there too. Yeah, now that's important because when you're uh, going through your food list and you're, you're coming up with your daily dozen, if you will, it's a, it's a great idea to do sequencing. And sequencing means that you start off with your vegetables, your largest servings of vegetables, and then transition with small amounts of nuts, seeds, and beans, and uh, various other uh, whole grains. And of course, fit in that fruit, because fruit is so high in water content and low in calories. So once again, that, that's a great way to go about it. Let's... But there's no need to be obsessive about the Daily Dozen. You know, on hectic travel days when I've burned through my snacks, you know, stuck in some airport food court somewhere, sometimes I'm lucky if I even hit a quarter of my goals, right? If you eat poorly one day, just try to eat better the next. To help track your progress, volunteers created Doc. So there you are. This is a great way to sequence your meals, to get your Daily Dozen in, to up your nutrition, your vitamin and mineral content, and of course, uh, make sure that you are aware of the status of your hydration. Whole food nutrition is absolutely essential to good hydration. And hydration and the variety of phytochemicals and enzymes and antioxidants, it's so important. And here is a drop of blood under a high-powered microscope that I'm, I'm showing you because it's so important for you to recognize uh, what's called free radical damage and oxidative stress. A drop of blood has millions of red blood cells. When it dries, it should hold together very properly. So when uh, I put together the book, Blood Doesn't Lie, I kept in mind my 43 years of experience of what you need to do to have ideal health and well-being and energy. So with this segment today, don't forget, uh, you can get a copy of our Simply Healthy Cookbook. This is a wonderful way to keep you on track. Nutritious, incredible recipes. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and share. And of course, the newest book, Blood Doesn't Lie, that's available to build up your health, your immune system, and your well-being. And of course, don't forget the category that we've helped so many people with is skin, acne, have clear skin, look great, and feel great. And what would it all be without love? Mastering love, sex, and intimacy. And so with that being said, I want to encourage you to participate. And please, um, I'm going to transition here a moment, and we're going to go into another subject. So just, just stay with me for a moment. Those of you who are still watching, please. Um, I've got a few more talk segments to go into. Here we go. Let's see what we got here. Okay, so I'm going to cover the following segment in this particular order. What are symptoms of vitamin B12 deficiency? Important because supplementation 
is so very important. So here we go. Let me just get into this. a bedridden vegetarian was reported to experience a remarkable recovery upon eating meat. Probably didn't help he was an opium addict, but he had been doing that for a decade. It was only after five years as a vegetarian did he end up bedridden, covered in bed sores, by a little beef and mutton he was eventually up and about. Can't blame the poor guy, as this was nearly a century before the discovery and identification of vitamin B12, resulting in just one of six separate Nobel Prizes awarded for teasing out its structure and function. One of the most dramatic events in the history of medicine was the curing of pernicious anemia, a B12 deficiency disease, an otherwise fatal disorder with a special diet centered around calf and beef liver. Vitamin B12 levels start to drop within months of cutting out meat. Yes, there are all sorts of benefits of adopting a more plant-based diet, but underestimating the risk of developing a B12 deficiency nullify the health benefits of a vegetarian diet, or even a diet centered around plant foods but contains meat only a few times a week. Even moderate amounts of animal products may not be sufficient to restore and maintain adequate vitamin B12 function. Vitamin B12 is not made by plants. It's not made by animals either, but rather microbes that blanket the earth. We presumably used to get B12 drinking out of a mountain stream or well water, based on studies showing vegetarians in developing countries who drink purified water appear to be at higher risk. But now we chlorinate the water supply to kill off any bacteria, so we don't get a lot of B12 in our water anymore. We don't get a lot of cholera either. That's a good thing that we live in such a nice, sanitary, modern world. Vegetarians living in developing world slums appear to have fewer B12 problems. Basically, the more hygienic our meals, the less B12 we get. Our fellow great apes like gorillas get all the B12 they need, eating their own feces. I prefer supplements. Before getting into the nitty-gritty of how much to take, how frequently, and which type is best, what are the symptoms of B12 deficiency? What aren't the symptoms of B12 deficiency? It's known as the great masquerader. It can cause everything from abdominal distension and chronic diarrhea to shortness of breath and swollen red painful feet. It can also cause Parkinson's syndrome-like symptoms, skin darkening and, uh, that resolve with supplementation, and something I had never heard of before, bilateral useless hand syndrome. The many faces of B12 deficiency include neurologic symptoms, such as numbness and tingling in the hands and feet, muscle cramps, dizziness, cognitive disturbances, difficulty walking, erectile dysfunction, as well as fatigue, and psychiatric symptoms like depression and even psychosis. Uh, for example, a 47-year-old woman with a five-year history of psychosis treated with antipsychotic drugs, cognitively impaired, reporting visual hallucinations, until finally her mother revealed that the patient was following a strict vegan diet for seven years. She started B12 supplements, and her symptoms went away. Years of her life lost in a psychotic haze, all apparently, because she didn't want to take a supplement. 
but vitamin B12 supplementation is mandatory for anyone eating plant-based diets. Becoming psychotic is bad, but hey, better than falling into a coma, not to mention suddenly going blind with multiple organ failure, all thanks to B12 vitamin deficiency on a vegetarian diet. Uh, looking into his eyes, they saw... Now keep in mind, I wrote the book Blood Doesn't Lie for good reason. After looking at blood under a high-powered microscope for nearly 40 years, I want you to see what B12 deficiency can start to look like. These round spherical red blood cells are healthy. When they look a little bit oval in shape, you want to make sure you up your vitamin B12 intake. We have formulated various products that include vitamin B12, particularly methylcobalamin. Uh, it does have some cyanocobalamin because that's what the studies were done with. And uh, th there are also the need for what's called 5-methyl tetrahydrofolate. So uh, keep in mind then, for those of you who choose to want to avoid the dangers of meat, cheese, eggs, and dairy product, having a few servings a week of meat or fish will not necessarily solve your B12 uh, needs and requirement, as was pointed out. So this is why we must take, let's say you do have handshakes or you have some other conditions going on, then the, the body requires this nutrients and uh, we use sufficient B12 because it's so critically important to get the vitamins and minerals necessary that the body must have. Now, even to be safe, uh, it's okay to get an IV therapy with vitamin B12. Uh, it's important to use these B12 supplements. Here, let me just grab this one right here. Uh, formulated uh, for doctors and by doctors. It's um, a product, Doc Nutrients, Stay Young Chewable Tablets. So you would need to chew on uh, about three of these every day. Let me just uh, take a moment to tell you that the amount of vitamin B12 in here is uh, 833%, 50 micrograms, 833% of your RDA requirement from just two tablets a day. And in, in terms of the folic acid, uh, it starts for about uh, six tablets, would give you the equivalent of, uh, let's see, that would be 12% of your folic acid needs. Now, it's easier to get folicine from vegetables and things, but B12, because it comes from um, like microorganisms, it because the fruits and vegetables are usually washed, we don't get a source of vitamin B12. But I'm going to just scan a little bit on this uh, scope so you can see, again, the pictures as you scan around. Now, that uh, is some platelets right there. This is fresh blood just taken as a drop. And here we go. Let me just focus that a little bit better. Okay. I hope you find this interesting. I used to, when I was a kid, watch a program called Mr. Wizard, and he would have all these science projects. So I've, I was always fascinated by science. You know, it's just so incredible. But uh, again, when you scan around at red blood cells, see that one right there, how that one's oval right there? Right there. So we need to up the, the intake of vitamin B12. See that one right there, that oval shape? Right there. 
So the cell wall doesn't get enough uh, B12, it won't form a perfectly round red blood cell like this right here. Now these are little triglyceride particles from just having eaten. I like to look at people's blood after they've eaten. So this is very, very important. So if you have a senior in the family or even a young adult who's been plant-based vegetarian for a number of years, uh, and their hands are shaking a little bit, then share this video with them because this could be that they're not getting enough vitamin B12 on a regular basis. You might even want to take sublingual B12 as well in addition to the Stay Young. The Stay Young is a chewable tablet, so it's highly absorbed, uh, and that's that's going to help quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, let's let's get the, the final words here on what Dr. Greger is, is talking about. Really important information here for everyone, including animal-based uh, individuals on a diet because you can still have vitamin B12 uh, deficiency. And I've seen uh, e even individuals who are on an animal-based diet, if they're using a lot of dairy product, I've seen where they have um, iron deficiency because of bleeding in the intestines caused by uh, the body's inflammatory response. So let's let's go back to what we're saying here. Saw exuberant hemorrhages. He was bleeding into his eyes. Uh, you don't have to be an ophthalmologist to recognize this is not what the back of your eyes should probably look like. Okay, so <laughs> even bleeding into the eyes, so if, if they look abnormally red or bloodshot is a common uh, comment, you know, particularly people who drink a lot of alcohol, uh, these individuals are going to be at risk for vitamin B12 deficiency. Uh, again, looking at the blood under a high-powered microscope is one advantage we have at our clinic here in Costa Mesa, California. Make an appointment, come on in, take a look at what's going on in your blood, and I think you're going to find it uh, pretty, pretty astonishing, if not uh, fascinating indeed. So uh, please uh, always keep in mind that health and well-being is not a given. It's a requirement in healthy living and a lifestyle that we're all designed to enjoy. So uh, please, uh, if you have any questions, I'm gonna transition to our next subject here. Thanks everyone. Be strong, be well, loving it. <laughs> okay, check out nickdelgado.com. We have coaching eligibility. We have some exciting things going on. Be well at your ideal body weight, looking and feeling better. Hey, guys, I got to tell you, the new coaching program has come out, and we're excited about the coaching program because the coaching program is at nickdelgado.com. We'd love to help to guide you, to coach you on your health journey. And now you can apply for the special coaching program. And you can also get our special book, Immune Rejuvenation. Just leave your name and email, and you're going to get one of the best books written on this whole subject. We are excited to know, Anne, and I got to tell you that, you know, the whole idea of immune rejuvenation has come. <music>